Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. Alright, you guys ready for some gospel? Let's get it, man. We're going to dive into it. What does gospel mean? Good news, right? Listen, every, every time I spoke at this church that I was at, um, by the end of the night, I was like, what does good news mean? They were like, good news. I'm like, y'all got it. We caught it. We do this every week at our church, so we get it. The gospel is too good to be true good news, yet it is true. So if you want to go ahead and plug this in, Romans 12 and 2. In your Bibles, Romans 12 and 2, that's one of those, I call it those Bible refrigerator verses right there, right? Romans 12 and 2. Uh, thank you, brother. And then we're going to look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Let me find out exactly what verse. I'm going to see how we can just hear from the Lord a little bit today. John chapter 1. John 1, 35 through 39, maybe. John 1, 35 through 39. 35 through 39, and I think I said Romans 12, 2, right? Romans 12, 2, we'll start there and see where, just see where we go a little bit. Everybody say more. So maybe around September or so, I don't remember when we actually recorded our New Year's Eve message, but the word of the Lord that came to me for us is the word more. I've actually never been one of those guys who got a word for the year, but um, it's just what the Lord spoke to me, so I believe it's true for our family. Um, here and so more means a lot to me because I think it means it means more than just like more money and more breakthrough and that's true I believe all that stuff for everybody if you have a plan um, but it also means more responsibility it also means more organization more stewardship right more in regards to your health there's, there's, there's so many ways that we can take that one word but I want to spend some time maybe the next few months just talking about that when you walk in our church, if you'll look to the right, you'll see really the mission statement that I feel like the Lord gave us when we moved to Edmond, Oklahoma. Before we moved here, uh, Kaylee, uh, Jeremiah, myself, and my wife, we sat at the table in my last house. Like, what was the Lord saying to us to do? And this is what God gave us. He said, I want you to go to Edmond, and I want you to build a family. He never said, go build a church. A lot of people try to go build church, ecclesia, but they didn't build, they didn't have, watch this, they didn't have koinonia. They didn't have community or family. You see that? Before God built a church in the Bible, there was a family. Like, they, like church didn't start in the garden. Family was birthed in the garden. Does that make sense? And you see a lot of people, they're having good church, but they don't have family. So he said, build a family and teach them to live in devotion together. Well, what's that? That's a, that's a broad question. Live in the, that don't mean read the Bible every day. That's part of it. But just learn to live this devoted lifestyle to God as a family. As a family, right? Build a family. Teach them to live in devotion together. And watch this. Teach them to host the presence of the Lord. Most of the time we talk about hosting the presence of the Lord in a church service, but never in your everyday life. And I want to I want to uh, give this thought to us. I don't think the problem is how we host the presence of the Lord in church in America. 
That is not the problem. The foundational problem is we don't do it at home and we don't do it outside of church. No more. The problem in America is not that we commit adultery while we're in a church service. I'm not, I'm not beating my spouse while I'm in a church service. I'm not, I'm not putting a needle in my arm while I'm in a church service. The problem is not what we do when we're at church in America. It's what we don't do outside of church. That's the foundational problem in America. Which is why countries that don't have the freedom to do church services are way further along in the kingdom than we are in America. We have more access to a book in this country than any other country does on the planet. We have more freedom to it. Yet we are probably the furthest behind in the beauty of actualizing what Christ has meant for us. Other countries that don't have access to this book are way further along than we are. But we do have cooler buildings than they have. Don't get it twisted. Because that's the goal, right? Go build a family. Teach them to live in devotion together. Teach them to host the presence of the Lord. And how to share and show the gospel of Jesus every day to everyone. A family in devotion, hosting presence, living out the gospel every day. If they made a law tomorrow that said you can no longer have a public church service for church, my faith would not struggle one bit. And my goal would be to get all of us to that point. You know how many people struggle when COVID hit? Because of churches? A lot. How, how do we... Chinese Christians would have been like, so hold up, now y'all doing what? Y'all struggling because you can't what? Can't do a church that's killing y'all? Maybe y'all should go to underground services like we haven't. Like what? And I, am I grateful for all this stuff? Man, I'm grateful for it. But we have to not get better. we got to get healthier. And that doesn't happen by having more fiery church services. I'm telling you, we have to be reacquainted, reoriented back to the God-man Jesus first off. I taught Jesus when I was gone. It's like, I'm going to teach about Jesus. Most churches don't never hear about Jesus anymore. I mean, they'll, they'll mention his name, but I'm talking about getting in depth to who he is, right? We talk about the incarnation here. We talk about the death, the burial, and the resurrection here. You hear about them often. Why? Because they are fundamentally foundational to what we believe. I know more people that can talk about the three levels of darkness more than they could Jesus. They can find the devil under every rock. Come on, you know him and I know him, like legitimately. Right? But they know nothing of communion. You know what I give young married couples when they get married in our church? I give them communion sets to do at home together. Because we got to make it about family. If your faith doesn't go back to how we do family, something in it is off. We're going to talk about it today. We... As Christians, as believers in Yahweh God, watch this. We are meant to.
to be first people of presence before anything else. Adam didn't wake up and say, oh, I'm going to church. Where are we going, God? It's not what he did. But you know what he did do? He woke up to, even before waking up to a job, and he did have a job to do when he woke up. But before he woke up to a job or a fiery Pentecostal charismatic church service, he woke up to the presence of the one that he would know as father. People get born again today, and we try to get them plugged in the church, and we say things like this. If you just get plugged in, you'll grow. I can show you a thousand people who got plugged in that didn't grow. They grew frustrated. They grew confused. And many people grow old in church. They just don't grow up in church. Listen, come on, talk. it's a talk back church. You can talk back. Amen or oh me, it's good. I want us to grow up together as a family in him. And so sometimes that means we have to let the Holy Spirit tip over the cows that we've raised up so we can really see the lamb. Pastor Josh, that was really, that was really good. That was really good. I said, Malik, we have to let the Holy Spirit tip over the cows we've raised up so we can see the lamb. Behold the cow of God. It takes, no, we got to behold the lamb again. And so I want to let Jesus help us out here in this area, that we were first people of presence before we were anything else. Adam gets created by his father. He wakes up. The Bible says God breathed into Adam's nostrils. That's crazy. God breathes into Adam's nostrils. And Adam becomes a living nephesh or a living soul. What God breathed out, Adam breathed in. What the father breathed out, the son breathed in. And when he did that, Adam became a living nephesh, a living soul. The life of God came into Adam and Adam. And Adam woke up. Don't miss what I'm fixing to tell you. Adam woke up and Adam locked eyes with three that were one. Adam saw father. And even as they walk on the right hand, he saw son and he saw spirit. And daily, Adam would walk with God. Daily. As he did the things that Abba put him on the planet to do. He walked with the Lord. So simple question. We're already here. Let me ask you this. Do you walk with the Lord? Like, 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 do you give mental assent? Do you intentionally do what you do? Whether that's Kaylee working at Jackby's, whether that's Peter as a plumber, you know, whether that's Cameron at home uh, in your office taking these calls from Dale. Do you do it as if the Lord was actually with you? Because you do know he is, right? Like, legit. When I'm up here doing stuff in the week, I do it as if the Lord was with me. Because... His name is, getting so far ahead of myself, Emmanuel what? Emmanuel. I say in God you dwell. He lives in man, Emmanuel. So as I read these passages, I want this thought about presence being with us to to hit our hearts. Let's look at John chapter 1. This is verse 35 um, down through, what, 39 maybe, I think. And we'll bounce around for a little bit. This is Jesus getting ready to call some of his first disciples. 
Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. This is John. We call him John the Baptist, but you do know he wasn't Baptist. This is John, the immerser, with two of his disciples, and he stood with them. This is the second time John made the statement. John 1, 29, he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the cosmos. This is the second time he says this. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he says, this is John with two, you know, John the Baptist had disciples. One, by the way, was Simon Peter. He's got his disciples. He said, hey, guys, look, behold the Lamb of God. Remember, Israel knew, the Jews knew that the priest of the nation had a lamb. The Jews knew literally the tribes had a lamb. Every man had a lamb. But what the Jews didn't know is that God had a lamb. They didn't know that. And John said, this is the lamb of God. Then the two disciples that heard John speak about Jesus, they left John and they what? Verse 37, they followed Jesus. Jesus is walking along with his Savior swag like he would always do. Jesus turns around, seeing them following him as if, if now if you start walking around you hadn't asked nobody to follow if you're walking through the grocery store or whatever in the park and you see two men following you you're going to turn around and ask the same thing jesus did what y'all want <laughs> jesus said what do you want what are y'all seeking they said to him rabbi which is to say teacher what's your address now if you're walking around and two guys following you and they ask you, Matt, what's your address? Now, don't give, it, don't give it to them. I like what Jesus says, though. Jesus says to them, come and see. See, Matthew, you're going to like it. We, we, we have to learn that when you see Jesus, I didn't learn this from America. I learned this from some guys in the East, reading and watching some YouTube videos from some real good Jewish people. You just read about Jesus when you read that passage. You have to read this as the Trinity embodied in Jesus. This is Father, Son, and Spirit saying, come and see. God invited them to come and see where he was staying at on the earth. Wait, wait. Drop that off right there. That's good news. What do you want? And God says to them through Jesus... Come and see. What an invitation. Come and see. And they came and they saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. It was about the 10th hour. They got so excited. One of the two of them that heard John speak, followed him, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and he said to him, We have found the Messiah which is translated to Christ. Now, this was huge from a Jewish perspective. Understand. And he went and he brought, sorry, it was, it was Andrew that was one of John's disciples. He went and found Simon and brought him to Jesus. Let's look at Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2. This is that refrigerator verse that we all, we all know. You guys all right? Romans 12.2. This is Paul writing to Rome. By the way, Roman believers in Jesus, do not be conformed to this world. Watch this. Two times in the New Covenant where the word transform happens. But be transformed by the what? Of your mind. That's so key. And if you do this, 
you will be able to prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Just don't want to put this in there. God doesn't have three wills. He doesn't have a good will and acceptable and a perfect will. That's not what Paul was saying. God has one will, and that will is good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. He only has one will, and it's good, acceptable, and it's perfect. I want to talk about the power of our mind, our thinking, especially in regards to presence and the person of Jesus. And I pray it'll, it'll speak to your heart. So we were first people of presence before we were anything else. Right? Adam knew Emmanuel before Emmanuel was a word. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Before Adam had a church service, before Adam even knew what sin was, or righteousness for that matter, before Adam heard of a t- before Adam would have had a chance to hear about a tithe and an offering, before humanity knew anything about these kind of gatherings, he was already God with us. And I'm going to say something that's contrary to probably the way most of us were taught, because I, ta- I wasn't taught the way I'm fixing to tell you. And contrary to what we were taught, even after Adam sinned, he was still Emmanuel to Adam. How many have ever, you ever heard this lie? Your sin separated God from you. We pass that out in church like candy. The truth is, sin separated Adam from God, but never God from Adam. And it was mental. Why we quote Isaiah, where Isaiah said, your sins have separated you from God and hid his face from you. Which, by the way, that's still old covenant. Which you and I don't live in an old covenant age no more. The new covenant has been initiated by the death of Christ. The new covenant Bible verse, where Paul more brings it down for us is this. In Ephesians, he says, you were alienated or separated from God. Watch this. He says, in your mind by wicked works. He said the separation was in your mind and it was never from God to you. It was from you to God. When my son does wrong or my daughter, are they ever separated from me? No. Have they hid from me when they did stuff wrong before? Yeah, you know why? Because they thought that what they had did, well, I'm going to bash them for it. And it's going to it's going to further and further separation. I go to them and I talk to them and said, hey, what you did. Am I pleased with it? No. Is it wrong? No. Can it get you in trouble? Yes. But you will never have to be worried about being separated from me. When Adam sinned, who did sin affect? Did it affect Adam or God? (laughs) When Adam sinned, who hid from who? Did Adam hide from his father or did the father hide from Adam? And after Adam sinned, did Adam have to try to go and find God because God was hiding? Or did the father, even in the light of Adam's sin, go find his son? Adam found out the Emmanuel revelation before Isaiah would prophesize about it several thousand years later. We were first people of presence. We were Emmanuel people in Manuel, in in Manuel. We were first people that God loved to dwell with before we were anything else. Now, that's Emmanuel as it starts out in the Hebrew scriptures, right? 
God walking and living with his with his friends, his family. Genesis 1, God makes man in his own image and he goes and he spends time with them every single day. John 1, Jesus, God in flesh, has been alive for 30 years now, gets baptized at the age of 30 in the Jordan River at a sinner's baptism, even though he had never sinned. And I wish, I've never heard this taught in church, and I'm fixing to tell you. And he gets baptized John the Baptist says, why are you coming to me to be baptized? I need to be baptized by you. Matter of fact, you don't even need to be in these waters because you ain't never seen. This is for sinner folk. Like all the churches that I've been, this is for us. You don't need to be here. And Jesus says, John, he says, baptize me. Listen to this. Because I am fixing to fulfill all righteousness. What? All righteousness for every human, past, present, and future, for everything in the cosmos, I'm fixing to do it. All righteousness for those 613 commandments that you have written down and orally the other 600 that you don't, I'm fixing to fulfill them. And under that, Matthew, he says, I'll baptize you. And Jesus was not only God in flesh. Jesus was God for every human. Early church fathers now. But he was also every human for God. And God for every human and human for every God was getting dipped into the water to fulfill righteousness for everything in the cosmos. And he coming back up comes up and over that statement that I've come to fulfill all righteousness, the father says, now that's my beloved son. And I'm so pleased. That man, after John had already called him the Lamb of God, another day Jesus is walking by the same place in the same vicinity as John is baptizing. And again, he says, hey, guys, hey, Andrew, you see that guy? That's the Lamb of God. John the Baptist is still rocking from the baptism he did a few days before. He said, that's the Lamb of God. And Andrew just couldn't take it. He says, I love you, John, but I see the new. We under the old, but I see the new. We're under the old, John, but I see the new. And one of the first, one of the first instances where somebody's really leaving that old covenant and really going for the new is they they follow Jesus. And they ask God a question. They said, We want to see where you're staying at. And God says, Then come and see. And this was so alluring that for the next three and a half years, by the way, those men never left Jesus. And I want to tell you what was happening for the next three and a half years. It was Romans 12 and 2. Their mind had been shaped by their current world, which wasn't bad. God just had more. They had been conformed by the Jewish law, which wasn't bad. It just was never meant to be permanent. The Bible says the law was good. It even tells you what it was made for. It tells you, I'm going to tell you what it was made for. And Jesus, for the next three and a half years, would lead them into transformation by having conversation and encounters with every one of them. Just live with them every single day. He would say things like this. What do I say often? He would say, I know Moses told you in the law, but now I'm telling you. And remember, you don't touch Brother Moses. Not to, you don't touch Brother Moses. But watch this. 
Who is greater, Jesus or Moses? You don't touch Brother David, but who is greater, David or Jesus? You don't touch Brother Elijah, but who is greater, Elijah or Jesus? So for three and a half years, Jesus, Cameron, through conversation, through teaching, through personal experience, begins to transform how they think. Now watch this. Write this quote. This is, this is a good tweetable here for you. Salvation might happen in a moment, but transformation takes time. You hear that? When you get awakened to the life of Christ, that salvation, that right there, man, that's a reality in that moment. But I'm telling you, transformation happens over time. And that's why you and I can be saved and never get transformed because we didn't change how we think. So, what you know what I traveled? I mean, uh, uh, Jeremiah could tell you, Chris could tell you, where we're from, man, people can be crazy. We got some crazy believers. Crazy believers. So, really, I'm not sharing nothing that they hadn't read, but the lenses that they view the scripture through won't let them see it. And so all I did is I slightly peeled the veil back and they begin to see things. And what happened is a little light shone in there and transformation starts. And so they're like, oh, hold on now. Why can we never saw it? That's always been there. That's what happened for me. Somebody by faith, man, they begin to peel the lens back and light shot. You know, I see a little bit now. See that? How can I, how can I? Holy Spirit, how can I say that? So transformation happens over time. Paul says you only get transformed by the what? Why is that good and bad? Coming to Jesus alone doesn't transform you. That does save you. You then have to let Jesus, by way of the Holy Spirit, change how we think about everything. Marriage, money, relationships, health, church attendance, worship, your Bible. Like, realistically, you have to let him do it. And these men who were taught in the law had to let Jesus say, I'm sorry that you were taught that out of love, in love, but that's not the full revelation. And so Jesus has to tip over their red heifers in their mind and show them the way of the lamb. And I'm going to tell you what, that is difficult. I can tell you stuff about hell that'll make you go bash your head in the wall because I know how you and I were taught about it. I can tell you stuff about heaven that'll make you want to run your head through a wall because I know how you and I were taught about it. I can tell you things about judgment that some of us still believe about God, but you can't find it true to be true in the person of Jesus, but yet you believe it. And we'll say things like this. Yeah, but the Bible says... And I would submit to you, but what does the word of God say? I'm working on a class. I'm working on a site right now. Paid course, by the way, because I'm tired of giving it out for free. Because we don't, for some reason, we don't appreciate free stuff. You know what a guy told me? He said, you better quit giving that stuff out for free. Because if ain't nobody saying it, you need to be getting paid for it. I'm like, oh, you right, brother. High five. Boom. I'm going to do some courses this year. So we've learned by way of the Holy Spirit, that Scripture bows its knee to Jesus. And if you let it, it always testifies to him anyway. You know what? One of the guys I was with recently, he was like, Pastor, you know what, man? You, He said, <laughs> I love to see when I understand it because I, I was one of those. 
You mean the scripture has the bow to Jesus? I said, well, you tell me who Jesus bows to. He said, well, I believe you got to live according to the Bible. I said, which part? You know anybody that sinned recently? Yeah. Did you go stone them? No. Well, you should have, according to the scripture. Why didn't you go stone them? Well, you know. No, I don't know. You help me out. Fill in the blanks for me. Right? So we make these loose leaf statements and they don't testify of Jesus. So we have to let God come and allow us to our mind to be renewed. Why? Because on the other side of renewing is transformation. Who was Paul talking to? Christians. Wouldn't it be great? As soon as you got saved, God just comes and changes the way that you think. But it doesn't happen that way. So transformation literally happens degree by degree. Some people got transformed because they let God speak to them about how they handle money, but their marriage is still a mess. Some people got transformed in the area of their marriage because they let God transform their thinking on that, but their money's still in a mess. Most of us in the room, myself included, I'm doing good in this area, but I'm struggling in the area of my health because I hadn't let God touch that yet, right? Look, I hear I heard Kayla in the front, like, touch him, Lord. <laughs> Touch them. I saw that post last night. Meal plans on the way. Touch them, Lord. Right? We believe in divine healing, but we won't let God touch our minds how to walk in divine health. It, it comes by way of transformation. So how did Jesus primarily transform the way these men thought? One, they did life with him, conversations, talked about scripture. They ate meals together, walked on, uh, through mountains together, rode boats together. But it come because they did life together. But it did come also because he had to say sometimes, I know what you've been taught, but that ain't always the truth. And you and I, through living and walking with Christ... If we, if we allow him, he will confront old mindsets and it will lead to transformation. So if you're taking notes, write this down. <laughs> the difference between a cycle and a season. Some of us thought we were in a season, but if you've been in that thing, most seasons last three months, give or take. If it's been longer than that, I'm going to tell you something, sweetie. I'm going to tell you something, honey. That is no longer a season. That's a cycle. And a cycle is a season you get stuck in. And the reason we get stuck in cycles is because of thought patterns. You can hear a mouse or a moth pee on a cotton ball right now. I said the reason we get stuck in cycles that initiated from seasons, isn't because of big bad devil. It's because we choose to hold on to old thought patterns. We choose to hold on, myself included, we hold on to old thought patterns. And so Paul comes and he begins to speak to the Romans about thought patterns. Right? These principles you've been believing. And what we do in church all the time is we speak to the fruit of people's lives. 
when Paul spoke to the root of their life. The problem isn't the fruit you're producing. The problem is the root that keeps feeding it. And if you want me and I, you and I both, if we are going to allow the Holy Spirit to help us in the way of presence, we have to let him address how we have viewed presence. So I'm like, Lord, speak to the root of it to me. One, and I'm going to do some of that today just because I think myself included, I wasn't always taught the best about it. One, the presence of God is not just for church services. Come on, write that down. I'm telling you, my struggle is not what I do when I'm here with you. My struggle is, why did did I speak to my wife that way? Why did I do that for? Why did I speak to my kids that way? We have to let presence, we have to let the presence of God reacquaint us toward himself. So the presence of God is not just for church. I didn't say not for church, I just said not just for church. You ever heard of the Catholic church? You know what the word Catholic means? Universal. So the Catholic God, you could say it this way, he's universally present. Our God is, we say this, he's omni present. Omni means all or many. He's omnipresent. God is everywhere present at all times. And contrary to popular belief, you ever taught this, well, hell's a place for brothers. God ain't even in hell. They put a little hat. What are you talking about? Even David said, if I make my bed in hell, guess who's there? Which, by the way, guess who went there and, 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 and evacuated it? Not only did he make his bed, bed there, he said, I'm going to go there. And I'm going to lead everybody that's been captive here. I'm going to let them be captive to me. Thank you, Paul, for writing about that in Peter. And he said, I got the keys to it. And he unlocked it from the inside out. And nobody never locked it back. And because the devil can never get the key back from Jesus, it will remain unlocked. But keep on going. He's omnipresent. Just sorry. Anyway, just sorry. He's omnipresent. But what we're learning is that God really desires to be manifest presence. That means he's always tangible. He's always available. And how do you do this? This happens by awareness. My gosh. I am aware that while I'm on the phone at Dale, he's with me. I am aware that while I'm fixing a plumbing pipe, he's with me. I am aware, Malik, while you're running your business, he's with you. Do you know the reason you're aware of God in here? Because it's a church building. It's Sunday. Put on my nice best dress. I'm wearing my new J's that I don't know if Will's here that Will got me. It's, it's, it's Sunday. And, and I go here and Ashley and Lindsay, whoever, they're singing. It's beautiful. And I see Kalen on the drums. Man, I got here this morning and Kalen already, he, man, I, I love people that learn my heart. He already had every candle lit in the church. The airwicks are plugged in. They got the music on out there. Right? All the lights are on. It's church. And so it's built to, to make you aware that God is God. Some churches more traditional, which I love, they got stained glass windows. I don't know nothing about that. I grew up in a church where we had pews. You wouldn't know if you sat in them pews because they, they felt like the rock. And on the side of our pews, if you gave money for those pews, they had a plaque with your name on it. 
And if that person was still living, even if they wanted the church, you didn't sit in that pew because you didn't pay for it. We were good Christian people. And the church was designed to make you aware of God. And they hurt us by that. You know, God is the big man upstairs. What? But by way of the incarnation, he has forever united every human being to the Father. So he's not the big man upstairs. He's actually the big man in here. God does not live in temples, Paul says, that are made by hands like this building. Jesus didn't die to redeem drywall and lights and chalkboards and screens. He died to redeem every human being who would ever live. So he wants to be manifest presence everywhere. And the truth is God will be as present in a park as he will in a church building. If you and I can choose to be aware of him. Boom. Why is that so like new to us? But I'm telling you, this is real. So what do we got to do? We have to let the Holy Spirit help us to unlearn the way that we were learned. At work good for a season. But where we're going, we can't keep that mindset. So watch this. I believe that when I'm in Home Depot, God is there. Yeah, but brother, you don't have nobody playing a piano in Home Depot. Seriously. Is he as much in Home Depot as he is in this building right now? Can I tell you something? Yes, he's Lord of the Sabbath. But he's also Lord of Monday. And Tuesday and my work day. We are going to be transformed again by presence by first having to let go of some of the ways we've thought about that. Right? And remember the best word you can find for presence, specifically in the Hebrew scriptures, the old covenant, it literally means face. So watch this. I'm going to be uncomfortable for about five seconds here. Cameron is in my presence. So he's in my what? So when we feel the manifest presence in our worship, specifically when we do songs, because songs, they work up the feelings in you, right? And it's good to feel. But feelings does not just mean when I feel him, he's there. Because if I'm cutting grass, then, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in the presence of God right now. Because I'm going to tell you what, I, ain't, I don't feel him like that when I'm cutting grass. There was a time last year, matter of fact, Jeremiah sent me, Wes, and Chris a text message about a song uh, by Rick Pino. I forgot the name of the song. I love it. Anyway, Rick Pino's version of it. Jesus is enough, I think. Well, Jesus is enough. Well, what song is that? Gosh. And I, I'm cutting grass literally with my headphones in. And I put that song, like 30 seconds. I'm like, ball, I had to quit cutting grass. So it's not saying that he can't come. The only place I've really been where Jesus wasn't was what? Yes, come on, look at that. See, see, I'm talking about the, I knew it. Man of God. God, I give you a witness. Look at that man, I'm telling you. Oh, my God. He in there. He in there. I thought I was just going to listen to the song that Jeremiah sent me. But no, the song the deep part of that song, the Bible says deep cries out to deep. The deep part of that song cried out to the deep part of me. And regardless of what my occupation was or my activity at the moment, regardless of what I was involved in, I became, I wasn't even trying to, I became aware of presence in that moment. 
we have to be reacquainted. Transformation for us in regards to presence is going to happen when we let God tip over the cow so we can once again behold the lamb. Presence means face. To be in the presence of God, God says, I want to bring you into my face. Ain't nobody in this room that would marry somebody without first seeing their face. I know their body look good, but I, I just, I want to, I want to see. I want to see. You know, we live in a day that, boy, we're known for filters. You could be really fooled by people, boy. I'm just, I'm, t- I'm, I'm telling you, I know people. I'm like, I know that person in real life, and they don't look like that. They, they do not look like that. I mean, even with makeup, they don't look like. Have y'all seen, hold on. Have y'all seen that filter? There's, there's one that, like, there's one that, that primarily, I guess a man could do it. But ladies do it, and it's like, it's scary. You can't even tell that. It's crazy. And I'm like, what? And then they do like this. I'm like, man, she is bad. And they go, here's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not even catfishing. That right there, you, that's whaling. That right there, that's whaling right there. That's not, that's not cool. It's like, you know, I don't know, Brad Pitt. I don't know what they go to, but you know what I'm talking about. Can I, can I say this? Because of some of the lenses that you and I, we, without even knowing it, we were given these lenses growing. If you grew up in church primarily, you were given these lenses about God. And you view God, it is so off base. But what happens is when you get in his face, you know who the face of God is? John 14. When you see me, when you see me, I'm going to show you what he is. And for three and a half years, Jesus kept pulling disciples to his face. And he pulled prostitutes to his face. He said, I know what they told you about me in the law, but that wasn't me. Lepers can't come around nobody. But Jesus kept pulling them into his presence. I know what they told you about me in the law, but that wasn't me. When you see Jesus, who is the presence of God, who is the face of God, you see father and jesus allowed people that john scripture to get in his face to get in his presence to come and see where he lived so he could show them what the father was really like guys i'm just telling you i'm having to relearn so one presence is not just for church or a day of the week presence is every day and then it's for every hour of every day and then every second of every day and then every breath of every can I tell you something? We're, we're human beings. So I lose my attitude. This is just for folks in South Carolina. Y'all know, Evan, y'all know about it. I lose my attitude at times. Even when I lose my attitude, the presence of the Lord didn't leave me. I just forgot who I was in his presence at that moment. But what presence does do is presence should anchor us. Whew, oh, I'm not living in presence that moment. So anytime we manifest rather than manifest, that's because we forgot who we were in that moment, self-included. And one of the, boy, one of the worst things my wife ever gut punched me with. I'm trying to think of what I did. I mean, there's not a long list. It's like two things in the last 17, 18 years. But anyway, like one of those two things I had did. She in here? You in here, baby? God bless you. So it's probably more like half of a thing I did then because she's not in here. 
But it was something like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you're doing really good right now, man of God. Something like that. I was like, ooh. Like, that's like a Bruce Lee low blow, you know, like, boom. But what? It just, you're, you're manifesting right here. when You should be manifesting. Let's get reacquainted to presence. Adam woke up not to a job. He woke up to presence. Jesus said, come live with me. I want to encourage you this morning. We're about to be done. Live every day with the God who lives with you. Now, that doesn't mean we're super spiritual. Like, there's things like this. Pray always without ceasing. Does that mean you're going every day? You're going to get fired. If you do that, you're going to get fired. Well, I was just praying every day. That's not what that means. But your spirit is always in constant communion with the Lord, whether you know it or not. So you could be cutting grass and be doing that. White men ought to always pray and faint not. Right? So regardless of the activity or your daily function, live aware of the fact that God is with you. But there will be moments throughout my day that I become aware of the presence of God. Now this is crazy, but I'm going to tell you one of the ways that I've had to renew my mind, and now it's, 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 it's normal for me. When your mind really begins to be renewed, I'm going to tell you something. Things that used to be impossible become logical to you. Hear that? When your mind really begins to get renewed, things that used to be impossible or hard, or you used to have to really try it, they become logical, almost normal. Now, every time I see somebody that does something good, the Holy Spirit says, that's me. Or they do something kind, he says, that's me. Even from people that don't know Jesus. God through them is doing something good, they don't even know it. It's the fruit of the Spirit. We only think fruit of the Spirit show up. <laughs> anyway, I'm in the lives of the people that know the Spirit of God lives in them. But I see his fruit coming through lots of different people. And I recognize it on them even if they don't recognize it on them. And I see Jesus in them. You see that? This is the fruit of the Spirit. So it's not just for church. God's desire isn't just to be omnipresent because he is. He wants to be manifest present. Everywhere, every time. Come on, Alyssa, back to the keys. Maybe one more good point to you and then we'll, we'll be done. Just uh, talk back to him right here. What are some ways, it has to be related to presence, okay? What are some other ways that we struggle, maybe because of our lenses, about the presence of God as a Christian? Just, somebody just throw something out. Don't be afraid. Something else. I've just given you some that I've encountered myself. but His what? His no? In what way? Like, uh, like when he... Go ahead. When things don't go the way we want it to go. Okay, I like that. Because God told me no. It must not... Maybe he's not good or didn't want my best. And well, Have you ever told your kid no? And they didn't like it, right? Yeah. So watch this. In regards to that thought, because that's a really good thought. We got to quit believing stuff to be true about God that he would do to his kids that we, our parents, wouldn't do to our kids. We have to quit thinking about God that he would do things to his kids that we as parents wouldn't do to ours. If you believe that God would do something bad to one of his kids that we as parents wouldn't do to ours, you just said that you are a better parent than God. And I know we're not that good. But we're trying. What happens? We have to get reacquainted to the presence or the face of God. How do we do that? By beholding the Lamb. So, this is really, really practical, maybe even elementary. 
really quick before we do, I'm in 1214. What are some practical ways to get reacquainted? One, I want you to begin to read, watch this, the new covenant about Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read the gospels and watch how he responded to people. But then watch how the religious leaders will respond to those same people. So read the gospels and watch how Jesus responds to people. Watch how he treats. You will find Jesus being sharp toward people, but they are always the religious leaders 100% of the time. Had a conversation this morning. You know what I told a guy? The people you see Jesus save. What? This is crazy. The people you and I see Jesus saving in the Bible that he comes to the rescue for. He never came to the rescue of a person that was fixing to be shot by a criminal. He never came to the rescue of a person that was fixing to be stabbed to death by a thief. But 100% of the time, he came to the rescue of lost, broken people that were fixing to be killed by religious rulers. And what do you think the person that was fixing to be killed by the religious rulers of their day, what do you think they were thinking how God viewed them? What was their thought of God? Because the people that love God the most are the ones who have a scroll. And they say, you know, I'm, 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 I'm filthy and I'm this. And they're fixing to kill me on his behalf. God, I'm separated from him. And now I'm about to go into eternity without him. And they're going to kill me on his behalf. And they're getting pleasure out of it. But yet here comes Father, Son, and Spirit in the incarnation of Christ stepping in front of them. I'm not going to let them do my daughter like that. What? You talking about being reacquainted to present. That's crazy. So some things we can do is read the gospels about Jesus and watch how he treated everybody. I know it's super elementary. Number two, spend time in prayer. But start calling your father, father. I know, listen, the people are going to hate me for this, but it's okay. You got to get out of just God. That was pre-Jesus. And if you're going to let Jesus be your example, Jesus called him dad, Abba, father, papa. We can't even do that because our lens won't let us do it. We struggle. But if my son ever comes up to me and says, Joshua. He used to call me Pastor Josh. Because he was learning, that's what everybody else called me. I would say, son, you don't have to call me pastor. Matter of fact, nobody does. I'm dad to you. I'm dad to you. Jesus called God twice while hanging on a cross, quoting David in the Psalms. But every other time, he called him father. And why? He was reacquainting to him to the person or the presence of God. You got to change how you think about him. In prayer, start saying, Father. Jesus said, not if you pray, but when you pray, say, our well, they ne- nobody had ever done that before Jesus. Nobody. But he said, let me teach you how to come to him. You come and, and know that he's first a father. <laughs> so find him in the scriptures. Watch how Jesus treated people. Begin to meet him in the place of prayer. Last but not least, prayer is a conversation for me. But as you're out and about in your day, I want you to normalize talking to him. Just normalize it. And then after you talk, I'll say this and we're done. I want you to normalize listening. A lot of people treat God like our conversation is a monologue. If Ben called me and said everything he wanted to say, then hung up every time, I'm going to start rejecting them phone calls. Because our relationship with God is not a monologue. It's a die-a. 
log. You talk to him, he talks to you. You talk to him, he talks to you. Don't be in such a rush. Talk to him, he talks to you. Right? This may not be the answer. It's just practically how I live it out. And God will give you your own way. So is the presence of God meant for Sundays only? No. What does God desire? Manifest presence in our life. How does that come? By practicing, watch this. I call it awareness. You know the reason we sing songs in this church? We don't sing to get God to come. We sing so we could become aware. And as we together corporately become aware, you know what happens? Man, I feel the presence of God in here today. Well, is he really always here? Yeah. But, but by way of awareness, together, a corporate awareness happens. It's like, whoa. You know who know how to do this really well? The thunder does it really well. But any, 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 any massive event you go to. There have been times I was at a thunder game and I thought, man, this is really, really close. Hairline to what I felt in some church services. You know what they have? Corporate energy. They have, a, they have an MC, a preacher. He's really good too. They have their own entertainment. They have their own light show. And they have a focal point. And when everybody, I remember being when we had Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. And we had James Harden. We had a Baca. What, what were we doing? I don't know what we were doing. Anyway, we messed everything up. They all left and became stars. It was one of those games where we're like down and Durant gets the ball, you know, his tall, lanky self, and he shot from way out there in Okarchi, like, boom. I'm like, is this Iraq? This brother's shooting bombs. And, and if he missed, we lost. If he hit, we won. And he hit, and my eardrums almost busted. That's why they call it Loud City. It was the loudest city in the NBA, loudest stadium in the NBA at one time. And that place erupted, and without me doing anything, the hair stood up on my mom like, what is happening? I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Corporate energy. One accord. I mean, even when popcorn's flying, I'm like, I hate it for the people got to clean this up. I got to do it myself, you know. Just If that can happen at a basketball game. Now watch this. We have confused in church the presence of God with corporate energy. But I'm, listen, I'm talking about face. I'm talking about face. That's why my admonition today was, would you please with me, from your heart outward, enter into the presence of God with me. It's all about awareness. Are we good? Stand to your feet with me. Come on, if you're grateful for the presence of God, would you just give him a clap offering because I'm grateful for his presence. I'm grateful for his presence. I want to say this at the end here, and I'm done, I promise. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus personally, like you've never received the life of Christ, and you feel distant from him, maybe because of something you've did or even something you've heard, and you feel like, man, I have a distance between myself and the Lord, and you want to get that right, we call it repentance. I would love to pray with you. Here's what I'm going to do. This just helps me to know. On the count of three, if that's you. All you got to do is say, hey, pastor, man, that's me. And as a family, we'll pray with you today. And guess what? We all come the same way. It's always by grace through faith, 100% of the time. One, two, three, by short hands. Anybody at all, you want to get that right in your life.
Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's do this. Say, Lord Jesus, today I choose to be aware of your presence. Let transformation happen to me by way of your presence. If you say no, let it be no. If you say give it up, let me give it up. If you say learn this, help me to learn it by your grace and faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.